0: Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we have a lady from a co-op in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And she is involved with La Siembra and Camino, and we're going to get into that in a couple of minutes. So, welcome, Kelly.
1: Good morning and uh, happy Fair Trade Month. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Okay, so first of all, let's talk about your education.
1: Yeah, so um, my background um, is in geography and political science. Um, I also have a degree in business administration. Um, I started off in business first and then moved into geography and um, politics afterwards, and I was trying to find a way to bring those two streams together, and that's how I ended up at La Siembra.
0: Okay, so let's get into your work career after education or during education.
1: Yeah, so um, I grew up in Guelph, um, and as a lot of people from the co op sector know, Guelph um, has a really vibrant cooperative community, and so co ops have always been um, part of my um, environment, I guess. Um, And so um, I came to understand and know about co-ops quite early on. Um, and then after um, I moved from Guelph to Vancouver and I w- they was there for about 20 years and uh, working for um, a sustainable clothing business um, while I was working on my finance uh, degree. And then, um, and then my husband, I met my husband out there and my husband got a job also in the cooperative sector, and our two career paths merged in very unexpected ways. As Sometimes those th- things happen, um, and uh, and we ended up moving to Ottawa in about 2007, where I started my work with Lassie Ambra.
0: Okay, well, Kelly, for those listeners that don't understand, what is a co-op?
1: So a co-op is a business model in which um, the benefits of that business or that service that you're providing for your members um, is for the mutual benefit and um, and the... Uh, <laughs> see if I can do this again sorry I wasn't expecting such a a simple almost a simple question Um, right so so last amber is a workers co-op and so as a workers co-op our cooperative model is to provide uh, meaningful um, employment to our members however you know we know that there's several cooperative models Um, producer co-ops are some of the co-ops that we work with um, in the global south so they're the ones that are producing and benefiting from the agricultural outputs that they're um, providing to buyers. Um, We know about consumer co-ops. Consumer co-ops are um, co-ops like you know, mountain equipment co-op, um, which a lot of us uh, were members of one at one point, um, where we buy a small membership share, and then that gives us access to collective um, uh, buying um, and pricing um, benefits. And then also, there's financial cooperatives like credit unions, where the the financial products, services, and profits are redistributed back to the member owners of of those uh, financial institutions.
0: Okay, so let's get into your specific situation. Mm-hmm. You're called Asiambra. <laughs> but when I go to your website it's Camino. Right. Please explain.
1: So, <laughs> so- la siembra, um obviously it means to plant or to sow the seeds for our future and that is the name of the cooperative so the cooperative is the business um, is the business uh, model and is the the corporate business identity um, and we own a brand of fair trade and organic chocolate, sugar, coffee, tea products in the Canadian market and those products are sold and distributed um, under the Camino brand and of course um, the Camino is the path and the Camino path and our um, logo is the swirl which is meant to connect our consumers to our producers and our producers to our consumers and to facilitate that connection between the two um, under a fair trade system
0: okay some of our listeners don't really understand fair trade can you explain that a little
1: right so um fair trade um is a um is an economic model that has both economic and social benefits for producers of goods and services um obviously uh um We're trading in fair trade chocolate and um, commodities, right? so sugar, coffee, tea, um, staples. Um, And that fair trade relationship is intended to support and improve the livelihoods of the family farmers, support rural economic development in the South, and also to support the well-being of the communities that they live in, um, both at home and abroad through economic cooperation. Fair trade sets out a set of standards in terms of the contracts, so um, whether that is a a fair trade price for cocoa and sugar that are over and above the world market price, which we know is... um, highly exploitive um, and artificially low and meant to maximize profits for shareholders. Whereas under a fair trade system, um, that fair trade price is meant to um, not only provide farmers with um, stable and fair income, but also a living wage that uh, reflects the true value of their labor and contribution.
0: Let's get into Camino a little bit. Are you really a wholesaler on behalf of farmers or how do you how do you operate?
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't have any of our own um, manufacturing capacity. Um, We started out kind of our legacy product was hot chocolate. So in 1999, um, we were the first, um, I guess, fair trade organization in Canada to import um, fair trade cocoa and sugar from the global south into the North American market. Um, Coffee and bananas were a bit on the radar then. Um, but chocolate and sugar um, was very uncommon to to see, um, and we used we used cocoa and sugar um, because we thought it was a way for us to teach um, multiple generations about the benefits of fair trade and the small farmer. Um, uh, agricultural model, and also who doesn't like chocolate? So it's always an opportunity for us to talk to people. Um, everyone wants to stop and, and try it. Um, I mean, it could have been it could have been anything, but we we chose chocolate because we knew that it would reach um, younger generations as well as adults. So Kelly,
0: you're a reseller.
1: We are a reseller. So, um, going back to the model, so we are a reseller. Um, We work, we are working directly with um, the producer co ops, um, primarily in Peru, the Dominican Republic. Um, We have a couple in Sri Lanka, um, Panama, Ecuador. Um, But what we do is we um, work with them. Um, under uh, what we call a producer-led MOU. Um, So even though we're not buying directly from their co-ops, we're facilitating volume and price that they sell into our manufacturer for, um, which helps um, empower them, Uh, at the table um, as opposed to just selling into um, a manufacturer uh, without having those relationships or that negotiating power. Um, So we help them um, establish the price and the volume of grains that they're going to sell that go into our final products. So then they'll sell those to the manufacturer and then the manufacturer will process those from the raw bean into a final Uh, retail product or a semi-finished product and then we'll buy that um, semi-finished product or the retail product from the from the manufacturer import that into Canada into our Ottawa-based warehouse and then send out uh, full pallets um, right across Canada into almost every major grocery chain and or natural health retailer um, in the country.
0: So how big is your team?
1: <laughs> our team is really small <laughs> um so we have so we do have a small warehouse in Ottawa um, that we've had to try to um, maintain and keep our um, staff safe um, during this uh, pandemic. Um, and then we have uh, we're structured very similar to other kind of big corporate, confectionery brands. We have a sales and marketing team. We have a finance admin team. Um, We have uh, operations and purchasing and and, uh, quality control. but there's uh, right now, I think we have 10 of us that are doing that work. So it, it is a lot. Um, and then we're working with um, some of our broker partners that have been with us for a long time that are spread out um, across the country so that they can service the retailers um, where they're at.
0: So to put all this together into a business plan must mm-hmm. be a little challenging.
1: Yeah, I mean, we are... We struggle with our identity. So what is like our, if our ultimate ultimate mission as um, a fair trade organization or what we might consider an alternative trading organization, an ATO, in that we're trying to do trade differently and to do it um, uh, and the result being a cooperative and fair economy, um, a lot of that comes to like how much of that work should be transactional. So of course we have a very traditional business model. We have a very competitive market. Um, we are under considerable pressure from multinational corporations and corporate consolidation of you know, um, brands that started off as independent along with us 20 years ago and now are heavily capitalized through venture capital, whereas we're trying to stay as independent and true to our mission as we can, we're trying to um, ensure that we have a democratic model that we're working under and that we can take care of our our staff, our farmers and our consumers really, which we see as kind of part of our model um, that goes over and above just buying from us. We actually really need them to believe and invest in what we're trying to do here.
0: So are all your employees part of the co-op?
1: So most of the employees are, so um, under the Cooperative Corporations Act in Ontario, 75% of your full-time staff um, must be members and then 25% can be non-members. Um, right now we have, let me just see. So we have eight, we, we actually just brought on a new member yesterday. So we're really excited about that. Um, so right now I think we have eight, worker-owners of the business that invest um, their uh, share capital um, to help capitalize the business that we own together, and we have two part-time staff that are on worker-owner track, so they may or may not decide to become members of the cooperative at some point.
0: So what are the benefits to being a member?
1: Well, the benefit to being the member, of course, is the redistribution of the capital at the um, at the end of the year, um, depending on you know your level of profitability and where your your um, strategic uh, goals. Um, are aligned, right? So, you know, how much of our profits do we want to invest back in the business to grow? How much of the profits do we want to invest back in the business just to make sure that we have future sustainability and a and a business that we can pass on to future worker owners and then how much of the profits do we want to redistribute back to the worker owners Um, and you know we we have other stakeholders in our business we have um a significant capitalization from non-worker owners in our business um that have purchased shares but um in a non-voting capacity and and then we have our farmer groups and we want to be able to pay them as much as we can while still being able to maintain a profitable business on very small margins and so that benefit back to the worker owners is not always guaranteed um because it depends on your financial results at your end um and not always maybe the right place to put the money, um, at the end of the year. So what we try to do is make sure that our salaries are, um, over and above. I don't even want to use living wage because living wage, you know, you have minimum wage, which is the lowest possible bar. <laughs> then you have a living wage, which is maybe subjective depending on your personal financial uh, reality, um, and then you have, you know, how do you value one's labor um, and contribution in a business? And and that philosophy or ideology um, is something that we, we try to work out inside of our, our model. So um, what we try to do is make sure that our employees are paid well, that they can support themselves and their family, um, that they can think about or build a career within our organization um, and there's a pathway for that um, that they have a real meaningful connection to our mission Um, but the the distribution of profits at the end of the year um, isn't always the deciding factor even though that I guess is a pillar of the cooperative model
0: So as an outsider And I'm not saying I would, but let's (laughs) assume that I was interested in becoming a share member. How would I go about doing that?
1: So if you didn't want to work in the business and be a worker owner, um, we do have um, outside investors um, that we consider um, an extension of our membership. So... They don't have voting rights. Surely, they're not working for us, you know. Um, and they don't make they don't make the decisions that could um, move the business um, in any particular direction. However, um, we see our outside investors as a real barometer of our community. Like these are the investors that believe in putting their money into our cooperative. Um, To support our mission, um, one, have to be very much aligned with the social benefit um, that their uh, financial investment is providing to small producers um, and for that north-south fair trade relationship. Um, But they they also have to understand what it is that makes our business different. Um, If they, if someone reaches out to me and says, well, what's your annual rate of return for the last five years? And, you know, how can I maximize my shareholder value? That's really not the kind of (laughs) investor we would be looking for. Um, You know, uh, we're when we're thinking about selling securities or um, shares um, in our in our cooperative, um, certainly we want um, we want to have investors that believe and value the work that we are doing here, um, even if it means that they might have to wait a little longer to see a return on that investment. Um, so it's about long term thinking.
0: Okay, are these uh, shareholders limited to Canada?
1: They don't have to be, but I do, it, it does take a little bit of extra administrative work to sell securities outside of the country. And as we know, um, security uh, regulations are, are, are provincially governed. So um, for every shareholder that I get in, in different provinces, I do have to register our offering statement Um uh with the the regulators or the the securities regulators in each of those uh territories so it does take a lot of extra work um and there are certainly some uh weaknesses in the um in the act that make it a little bit more challenging for cooperatives to take outside investment um (laughs) i won't get into those Uh, and i know that um you know the provincial associations are trying to make it much easier for co-ops to capitalize themselves. Um, uh, particularly given that, um, co-op models, um, just by virtue of the way that we're structured, you know, there, there is no outside shareholder or control, uh, outside the owners of the, the business. So it isn't set up for shareholder, uh, Governance um, in that way. So so it's very much um, social capital. It's very much patient capital. Um, and, you know, frankly, it, it can be high risk sometimes, but we're trying to do good work with those investments that we get.
0: Okay, and you are doing good work. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Now, your sales, are they in Canada only?
1: We do have... Um, We have a private label customer outside of Canada um, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good volume of business and we work with them um, through a cooperative um, commercial contract, Um, but the majority of our sales are across Canada. Um, We have a a good range of uh, product offering, um, everything from the Camino-branded retail products that you see in stores, um, whether independent or mass grocery, Um, but we also do what – I'm not sure if everyone – knows or a lot of people know is we actually do a, um, a good deal of business in, um, bulk and industrial ingredients. So we supply, um, organic manufacturers with ingredients, um, that they use in their products. Um, and so we'll sell into food service cafes, um, institutions and to other, um, you know, actually some really amazing organic and fair trade brands in Canada that are really looking for an ethical ingredient option um, in their final products as well. So our, our, our ingredients uh, make its way to all kinds of shells, but not always under the Camino name.
0: So I want to combine a couple of questions together. Sure. Right now you're in Ottawa. Yes. Would you think of expanding to Vancouver so you could go back and visit, <laughs> and visit friends? Uh, but I want to combine that with another question. Three years from today, what will your you look like?
1: Three years from today. Well, this is really good timing because we've been talking about a lot about um, where we're at. So. Um, we are in, I would say, a challenging place. We are much too big to be niche and special and you know uh, interesting, I guess. Um, and that's not to say we're not doing interesting things. It's just that you know um, there's a lot of really um, small kind of more bean to bar makers that are making its way into that local shelf space. And we're much too small and independent to buy uh, market share. Um, We did, we bought a lot of market share um, uh, early on in our growth. And, uh, and that asset is something that we're still able to leverage now. And it's partly why we have such um, amazing penetration and relationships um, with buyers um, right across Canada. So, and we also are not really interested in selling out like this is we're not in a place where we're going to sell out our mission um, and we wouldn't sell out our business under our worker owners. Um, and so that puts us right in the middle. And so it's a it's a really challenge. And we're trying to, you know, we're basically trying to um finance democratic agricultural models through sales, through corporate grocery chains. And everyone knows how that works. It's, it's a really difficult environment and landscape to compete in because it's very expensive to stay on the shelf. Um, so that just eats away at our already small margins that we're working on. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, and we're not going to squeeze producers. In fact, we actually want to pay producers more because that makes them stronger um, and more sustainable. And we actually need that um, type of ag- non-industrial agriculture. Um, we need more of that in our in our world. Um, so, and we all know that. Um, and, and the pandemic has certainly put that at the forefront in terms of these uh, s- small farmer supply chain and logistical issues so we're kind of in the middle um, and we're trying to think of how we become sustainable without um, our having our market share be eaten on both sides. Um, And, and so we think like, obviously we're asking ourselves is it time now to um, do a little bit more of take on a little bit more of the value chain ourselves, you know, should we have set up a, manufacturing or a packing plant. Um, uh, We did open up our warehouse around, I would say, in 2018. We got into our own logistics and fulfillment. um, And we're really happy that we did that now, especially during the pandemic, because one, it it could mean that we could employ more of our own local worker owners and we can um, make sure that we're meeting the needs of our retail customers, um, in a quick and efficient manner. Um, and we can control and see the food that's coming in and out of our own space. So that was a really important kind of change in operations that we made a few years ago. And of course the next, the next kind of big vision or maybe midterm vision we should have for ourselves is whether or not we want to do some of our own packing even if it's just taking an ingredient and putting it in a bag Um, the fact that we have to rely on third-party contracts for that makes it very challenging it adds obviously um, a cost and a middleman um, in the chain and um, and we feel like now we're in, now we understand enough about the physical side of our business that we could probably um, take some of that work on, even if it feels really risky and uh, it might take um, a big investment into making that a reality. Um, but I, th- I think staying staying in the middle um, and shrinking uh, is way less exciting. So I guess we'll have to gauge the risk appetite of our membership.
0: What about expansion of the product line?
1: Yeah. I mean, we're always looking for new products, um, things that make sense, um, that work in the categories and the spaces, the shelves that we're already in, um, the there's significant pressure on every shelf so whether that's our in our baking category whether that's in our um, hot beverages um and or we we know you know the the uh, number of chocolate bars that you see on the shelf um the question is how do we do that um without having to invest a lot into the shelf space in order to figure out how to be more innovative. So for every product that goes into mass grocery it can cost anywhere between five and $15,000 for slotting fees. Um, so not only are you investing in the high volumes of inventory up front to bring that into Ottawa. And we know obviously with the pandemic logistics costs are um getting very expensive for importers, um, and very unreliable right now. Uh, so that just adds some, some complexity. Um, but there's things that are very obvious, you know, that we could launch into the Canadian market. The question is, does that get us further ahead or is it so expensive to launch new products and then maybe discontinue them that you end up writing off more than you sell? So that three year ROI on any new product launch, um, you it requires a lot of capital because our inventory is very expensive and we have to have a lot of it um, in order to supply the market demand.
0: So, Kelly, what's the easiest way for people to connect with your organization? Is it through Camino?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can go right to our website. Um, we recently launched a web store. Um, we had resisted that for a long, a long time because we are a wholesaler um, and because we have really good um, distribution. Um, a lot of people uh, found it easy to find products in their local markets, um, but not everything. So uh, during the pandemic, we did um, open up a web store so people can go and find us there. But we're all humans in this business. Like You can send an email to info at and I'll probably respond to you to you in the next few hours, um, if I can. Um, so yeah, it, just it's, it's, go to Camino, our web store, Camino.ca Camino. Camino. or .co-op. Yeah, you can find us at any of those handles.
0: Thank you, very interesting uh, conversation with Kelly and, and a great organization that supports fair trade and the co-op structure. So thank well, you for joining me today.
1: Well, thank you very much for having us, Peter.